I've obviously got Danny and Martin with me. Um, so, willing to discuss anything. Right, this one's a better mic. Yeah. You're supposed to have better quality boys. 
you, you play a better quality of opposition. I think for us, over, over, over the last 10 years, our academy has paid for itself because of, because of the talent we've sold. You know, we've sold over three million pounds worth of talent over the last 10 years. And if you work out each year, that's 300,000 pounds. Yeah, it's gone off now, that one. So we're very happy how it goes. Going back to the ECCP, uh, ECCP uh, is totally loaded to the Premier League clubs. Uh, they, I got better money for the players I sold last year because we was outside the ECCP than the players that have gone this year. Like I like just went to Chelsea, for instance, and their loan was only with us for 18 months. Uh, ECCP. Uh, that three million pound that we took over the last ten years was pre ECCP, so to repeat that now, I think it'd be a lot more difficult. Uh, the it's all as I say, it's all based on how long you've been at the club. Uh, you get a certain amount for each year. You get you get more nine to tw nine. To, if you take the boy at nine to twelve, you get a certain amount. I can't remember the exact figures, and then it goes up from thirteen to sixteen. Unfortunately, the boy that we just sold to Chelsea he was only we only had him eighteen months. But we feel it's a productive, because if you look at our squad at the moment, we've got 10 of the boys that are in the squad that started in our academy. And that works twofold. One is, obviously, we hope to sell a couple of them on in the future. And two, if you look at your wage structure, they're gonna to be to the bottom of it. You know, they're coming through. So it, that's, just how, that's just how it works. We, we don't believe so. I mean, Colchester have done it. Uh, I don't think that it would make us any better or more, any more productive, if I'm totally honest. Uh, I don't think it's worth that type of investment. And the problem is at the moment, because we, our facilities are just about acceptable for Cat 3, we're a million miles away from being Cat 2, to be totally honest. So that's, that's Lewis's dream, uh, as I always say to Lewis, I think it's a bit of a pipe dream at the moment. Yeah, so so you have to have that dome, the artificial pitch. Now, to answer your question, I think if Lewis was here, he would say, if you've got a kid you've identified, then they're choosing between us, category two, or us, category three, they may, the parents, take the view that going to category two is better. So I think the answer to your question is you potentially get better people. But it's possible. Yeah, I've got Yeah. Now, I think we believe the academy is worth it, and we'll get into some numbers again later, because at the end of the day, we're developing young players. We think we're one of the best clubs in League Two in terms of that. Clearly, Crew. I was watching the stream the other night, along with record numbers, right? It was, yeah. Do you want to say what the number was? Uh, uh, overall, what is that? So so that was good. Um, just while we're on that, we'll come back to the academy. Any comments on the streaming? Good, bad, or indifferent? Any improvements? Yeah, well, Dave, I think Dave was doing a school inspection or something this week. Yeah. Can I just ask a question, actually?
But Ken, who obviously didn't grow up with the game, complains as soon as there's no commentary. And, and, and I think the other thing, in this country, we're used to commentary for TV. In the States, if I take the New England Revolution, they have the synchronized audio and visual at the same time. So it is a very common thing in the States to do that. Um, I think all I can say is you can always turn the sound off, but then you miss the pitch noise. And it's too, I did ask my son, who's David, the expert behind all this, and if we could just have the pitch noise, it's just too complicated to do it. But basically, earlier in the year, we had some synchronization issues where one was ahead or behind, and it's very frustrating to hear the ball's gone in the net and not see it. But I think we've worked through all that. Um, so we'll come back to the academy. And any other comments on streaming? By the way, for those who don't know, it's all on here now. And one thing I don't understand myself, because I have both going at the same time, this is faster than the one on my laptop or my big computer. Right, just back on the academy. I'll just say something on, 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 the, on the streaming. So thanks for those that are watching. But yeah, we took what just under two hundred to create you know, six hundred around the world watching. It's only one in five of what's at a game. So there's a lot of people out there that aren't watching it. It is generally great value. Yes, ten pound. If we were in charge, it might be slightly slightly different in price, but the CFL has set it. So there's 80% of you, if you like, aren't watching the game that are here on a Saturday home game at, at the stadium. So there's an awful lot of word spreading. We make 91, 92% of that money, uh, and clearly that money goes, as we'll discuss later, to try and reduce the, the bottom line loss. Uh, it's a key revenue drive for the club. So if you're watching, great, but the person sitting next to you probably isn't watching. So on Saturday week, mentioning it, and uh, it helps a huge amount to, to cover revenue. We're making more money than some League one clubs from it, but we want to make what championship clubs are making to do that with your help. And for those who haven't watched it, we do have replay commentary as we heard. Um, a lot of discussion about Leighton Orient. You can tweet in, so it's highly interactive. So back on the academy, you know, um, Lewis has got this vision of taking us higher. I'm personally delighted with the progress we've made. Um, I think, based on what Lewis tells me, we've got a lot of really good young players. I'd encourage you all to try and get out one Sunday. I think they kick off at 11. So go and see the under 11s, 12s, 13s. Uh, we don't tend to publicize it, but you will probably go there and be surrounded by scouts from Spurs and Chelsea and everyone else because that's how they look at talent. I think you had a question over there. Um, um, my question was, with regard to the commentary on listening rather than watching, yeah. how come it comes up on Sky before it comes up on the radio? Okay, very good question. Me and Martin, we've had the sort of live updates clearly where every game. <coughs> But it comes from on our phone sometimes before it's hit the back of the net and literally someone from the press association, Dan will testify this, they press literally a button and that then instantly goes off Sky Sports. So in the time that has gone up to a satellite for the commentary, the ball's already back on the centre circle in reality. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's just every broadcast annoying, but yeah, there ain't, there, ain't, there ain't a way around it at the moment. And there's a, there's a basically a 45 second delay in the, in the video stream and that is the NFL rule. That, that has to be, that there is that latency uh, annoying me in it. We'd like it to be live. Most people probably don't realise that your TV is actually delayed anyway. I mean, Martin and I have been on TV a lot, but if you go on any, ch any channel anywhere in the world, there's usually five to ten second delay. That's in case you come out with some abusive language. So Martin, they always give a bit longer. Um, and, uh, and me a bit less. Um, but if you remember when Amazon were doing their Premier League games before Christmas, there was a lot of complaints about people seeing the score with them 
is for the reason that Danny said, because it has to go up and back down. Right, next question. Um, I think you may recall I came to the um, meeting that you held after we departed com party company with the Coldplay. And I think I expressed my view at that meeting that A, it was a surprise, that appointment, and, uh, and disappointment to a lot of fans. And, you know, you acted quickly, you did everything that was right in terms of dealing with that situation. I expressed the view at the time that, as you alluded to, I think you felt that it was likely that you would appoint Ross as full-time coach. I expressed concern about that, uh, really over what I consider to be ex experience and what I felt was needed at the time. There was obviously a delay in his appointment. I, I think for most of us that saw most of the games, that he had up until Christmas and through Christmas when the appointment was made. I think there was major concern there. I think our form uh, was, was dipped. Our performances were, were not great. And then subsequently, the appointment came and apart from one or two decent performances, I think we've won two games in 14 and, and everything that I was concerned about, I think, has come to pass and, and I'm talking to you you know, you've got all this fantastic stuff going on, but you know, if we don't get the right result on Saturday, we're in a, a relegation dogfight, and everything that you're planning for could very quickly go out the window. And I'm sure it's not complacency, but to me, unfortunately, I think it's a worse decision than the Carl Pepper appointment, uh, and I think the board have made a terrible error. And I don't know what it is that you saw that in Ross, given the results that we've had, that, 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 that says otherwise. Okay. Um, also, if you had a manager in charge of one, one in nine, you'd probably be on the verge of getting the sack rather than getting the job, which is what we did. Okay. Well, I, I think all reasonable points, so shall I go first and then you? Or? Yeah, you go first. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, you probably had it more recently than me. I mean, we are convinced that we made exactly the right decision. And um, I think it's interesting that I read all the stuff on the message board and social media, probably shouldn't read social media. And certain people in the room tell me not to read it, but I do what, read some of it. And a lot of the points made are the points you just uh, have made. I think it's interesting that one of the more common points made is we should go out and get an experienced manager. Um, we actually interviewed some pretty experienced managers, and I described them as falling into several categories. Um, one is the very experienced managers who are incredibly expensive, um, and some of the people who were mentioned were, to be honest, uh, twice the level that Justin Edinburgh was paid. So that's, that's one group. Secondly, there's experienced managers who apparently have a good track record, and have been fired in clubs in relatively similar positions. Um, at one stage in all the process, we did offer a very experienced manager the concept, this is before Fletcher. Uh, we offered him a job. He was actually at another club. He declined because he felt he owed it to that club to stay there. And this person clearly fit in the bill, didn't he? of a very experienced manager that all of you would say is exactly what was required. That person has been fired since that time. Um, so, so having an experienced manager, in my view, doesn't necessarily work. The third thing I say is we went through an extensive process of looking at all the available candidates and whether we like it or not, we probably made a bad decision. I, I've accepted that in, in coming up with Carl Fletcher. Um, and at the time, we tried to protect Carl, but I will go a step further and say his engagement level with the players was, <laughs> in the way I measure life, minimal. So that's the true reason he left and we feel not good about the decision, but it was the right decision. So you then stand back and say, who's out there? 
you go through the names we've just been through, perhaps a few more people have been fired, and you, in our view, there were no other good candidates, but we felt we had in Ross someone who understood the squad, understood the special circumstances that have taken place in the club this year, and someone with the potential to become a very good head coach. So we made that decision. We feel good about the decision. Uh, I, I clearly understand, that's why I did the video. Uh, and by the way, it intrigued me that one comment of the video I did, which was to try and communicate with the fans was about the quality of my 14-year-old's video camera work. So uh, we'll try and improve on that in the future. Um, but we recognise that some of the results were not good. We appointed Ross. <coughs> I certainly think the results have improved. The performances have certainly improved. And Tuesday night may not be the best performance of the year, but someone on the website, just showing I read it, did actually say they thought it was our best performance of the year. So I think we're going in the right direction. Um, I think we've supported that with very positive action in the transfer window. Uh, I think it was Kent who said at last week's meeting, one day Ross will be fired because every football manager I know has been fired and you can name Mourinho and others in that camp. Um, but we still feel very good about the decision when we look at it against the available talent, the history of what's happened in the club in recent times. And I, I have great confidence that we'll be sitting here at the end of the season and saying, and by the way, I could be proven wrong, but I believe we'll be sitting here and you'll all be saying that was an inspired appointment. What I'll say is that let's judge Ross when he's finished rather than when he started. The last time you appointed an inexperienced manager, he done quite well. He got him out of this league and into League One. And he was less experienced than Ross Edmonton, and you were probably against that then. Because <coughs> that was me. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, I, you know, do we always make the right decisions? No. Have I always made the right decisions in my life? Absolutely not. And I'm used to dealing with franchisees who tell me a lot of our decisions are absolutely crap. So, um, you know, we're always going to have opinions, and as you know, I fully encourage everyone to say what they think. That's why I set this session up tonight, so you could come and say what you think. I'd much rather you come and say in a highly articulate manner, both of you, the way you said it today. We can have honest disagreements, but we all love Lake Norian. And I hope I'm right and you're wrong. I know. But that's the spirit we should be talking about it, and, I, and thank you for raising it in such a constructive way. Yeah. Uh, two questions, one for Danny. Danny, with the score centre being knocked down and new housing going up, you've got, have you got plans in place to, you know, attack the, the, the numbers that are going to be coming to the area? And a question for Martin, can you tell us what's happened to Danny Webb? Okay, so the question, I was worried you were pointing over there, the score centre. Oh, sorry, I've got my phone. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so, yeah, we are in consultation with the stakeholders, that's the council, most importantly, uh, Taylor Wimpy, and we want to make sure that the opportunity over there that we fully utilise that, uh, up by a neighbour and all that stuff. There's going to be 4,000, maybe 5,000 residents uh, in, within, we'll, we'll sit here in 2027, I think we'll all still be here, 2027 and we will hopefully have a large chunk of those that will come through our doors, not just match day for the season holders, but non-match day for events and uh, we, we've got a huge opportunity, but that doesn't just stop there, that's, you know, there's developments up there, there's developments over there, developments over there and we've got to make sure that we On the uh, Danny Webb situation, for legal reasons I can't comment, you will find out in the next uh, few days uh, what has happened to Danny. He's obviously not been on the bench for the last two games, uh, but legally I can't tell you exactly what's happened to Danny Webb as I sit up here now, but it will come out in the wash over the next three or four days. Okay, um, by the way, just going back to the prior question, 
despite my support of Ross, doesn't mean I don't sit at home saying, why the hell did he do this? I mean, but that's life. And we're all gonna get second guessed in our jobs and I'm sure you are at work. Right, I'm gonna take three more questions now. Remember, we've got more Q&A at the end. So the hand down there, let's go with that for um, persistence. About Carl Fletcher again. Um, you're all successful in your field. We didn't rush into the appointment. Carl Fletcher's had a long career in what he does. He's been at Bournemouth as a coach for a long time. How? How did it just go so wrong? What What happened? I mean, I'm not getting into specifics, but um, 29 days, that's... Okay, so, so very fair question. Uh, we sometimes sit down and talk about it ourselves. Um, I mean, we interviewed and I think this was the essence of what we said when we had the meeting that week in the school centre. We, in, I think you interviewed 10, you had 50 applicants, but we added some. Some people, and we didn't say that on, on that day, we actually offered a couple of people before Carl, I've mentioned one previously, uh, and we all felt that that individual would be really good, but it proves you can't get more right because he got fired fairly recently. Um, so. Carl came in, his references were excellent. Out of interest, how many people here recruit at work? Quite a few of you, okay. So, references, I think you have to be a little bit careful. Well, we, we've had a lot of references. We had another candidate who is manager of another club in League Two. The references, I would say, were 80% awful, absolutely awful. But that person has subsequently been appointed by another club. And, and just to show how word spreads, I live in Boston. I had someone in Boston phone me up and say, I hear you're looking at this person. Don't hire them. I mean, that shows how reputation spread. So back on your question, we did a lot of references. We did interviews. Uh, and technically, I think, he was an excellent coach. Clearly got all the experience you talked about at uh, Bournemouth. He was, ended up as the loan manager. Um, and after the interviews, we thought he was going to be perfect. We even sounded him out amongst certain senior people in the club to see what they could find out. But we got it wrong. He just didn't engage. And it was interesting I had a plumber come to my flat in London who said, why the hell did you hire Carl Fletcher? And I said, well, what do you know about it? Well, I'm a season ticket holder at Plymouth Argyle. And this guy, this guy was adamant it was a terrible appointment. So clearly the process was wrong. I've done a lot of recruitment in my life. You occasionally get them wrong. We clearly got that wrong. And I think if we had to redo it, we'd probably use some kind of psychological assessment because Carl didn't like engaging with people, wouldn't even sit with the players at lunch. I, so... Can I just... I just can't see that. He was a captain at all these clubs. I okay. I just can't see how he wouldn't... That's what we said. ...be a leader. That's what we said. But you could be a captain and remove yourself and that's what happened. Trust me, we're telling the truth. Whether you see it or don't see it, we're telling the truth. So, uh, no, so, uh, I don't doubt <laughs> it, but just I can imagine a lot of people in this room are the same. Like, it's not something we rushed into, is it? I mean, no, I would say we got it, <coughs> we got it badly wrong. Uh, I think there was a bit of a adjusting effect, if I'm totally honest, and I've said this to Carl, I've gone to speak to him twice uh, since he's lost his job. Uh, I think there was a, the the adjusting effect in terms of uh, the players maybe not being as open with him because he was a different play voice rather than Ross being the, uh, being the voice as he was a sort of continuation of the adjusting period. I think they had something to do with it, to be honest. Uh, but all the, all the people that we spoke to you know, you, you obviously speak to people that used to work at Plymouth. We spoke to people that were working at Bournemouth, including a couple of players that played for myself, uh, that worked down there. 
and uh, it was all positive all the way through, but it just didn't mix, it didn't gel, it didn't it didn't fit right. So you do one or two things. Easy, easiest thing for me to do was to sit there and say, this, this will correct itself. Because the hardest thing to do was to pick the phone up and say, Nigel, Ken, I think we've got it wrong, and explain why I thought we've got it wrong. And then I was told then to do some more investigation. That was my instruction, uh, to speak to some other staff members, some of the senior players. Uh, I was of the opinion when I was speaking to the senior players that two or three of them would be in favour, and I can guarantee you that 100% everyone was not in favour. Two of them many staff that Dennis talks about that we've got over the training ground said he'd been there 28 days and never spoke to them. That was two staff members. So it just, I went back with that information to, to the powers to be. Uh, and then the decision was made not to make, to make it any worse than it already was. So, and, we, and we did what we did. I tell you something, people said, there's some rumors that people call me arrogant. <coughs> Supposedly on Twitter, so Kent tells me. There's one thing I am not, is arrogant. And I can tell you this, is that people think that you enjoy doing that, getting rid of one, someone after 28 days. Trust me, when I'm driving to an hotel, to tell the bloke that's gonna, I've got a clue that he, that he ain't the right person for us, it ain't a very nice job at that time. <coughs> and as I say, I have gone to meeting twice since because I, I, I feel guilty. I feel guilty that we put him in a position and he's now back doing the job that he was doing previously. Probably will never manage again is one thing we're taking away from him. We paid him up in full and within four weeks he went back to the job he had previously. So he had a bit of a touch in that respect, but I suppose his reputation that we're talking about. Uh, as I say, it's, it's difficult, but it just didn't fit and it didn't feel right and we got it wrong. Right, we're gonna take two more before we move on. So one here and then Karen, uh, okay. One here, one there, Karen, we'll do you later, okay? Oh, it was just a follow on from that, but it's right, okay. Go, do your follow on quickly. Well, it was just to say that as a supporter and a sponsor of um, a player on the team, we went along to the sponsors there at the training ground where Carl Fletcher was actually there, he'd just been appointed. And you say that he didn't interact with the players as a new manager at a new club. Didn't expect him to come over and hug and everything else. But at the end, when all the players had gone in and they were having their lunch, he was off collecting all the phones that all as far away as he could be. And it was only because we actually stayed, because we wanted a photograph of the new manager, that he actually spoke to us. So it, it, I can see where this club are coming from, where they said that he was distant and you know, minimal contact because even with the supporters, he was the same. Did you not ask him to do the session, to do a check with the young teacher you asked him to teach a lesson? Uh, 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 there's, there's, sorry, there's, there was nothing that you would find, he's coaching, really. How could it be when he doesn't talk to the players or? Well, he, he, was talk, he talked to the players when they was coaching. There's a difference. There's an interaction. Let me tell you this much, right? I've managed for 10 years, and the most important bit that you need is man management of the players. Every, every manager can coach. Every manager can put on a session. You've got to interact and get the best out of players. So you must, you must be able to make players better. It ain't about coaching. He was an excellent coach. It's about ma it's about man management, and I think that would go into a lot of workplaces where that is relevant. Yeah, that's that that right is coaching. I'm, I'm that's exactly right. Sorry? But that is coaching. A coach. The, 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 no, there's a difference between football coaching. So I'm going to go and put a session over there, put five cones there, and I can see a lot of people that can football coach. But that's not the complete coach. The complete coach has. You know the man management skills, yeah. the technical skills, yeah. the motivational yeah. skills. You can't divide a coach. He he becomes a holistic. No, of no, 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 no. Let me trust me. I'm telling you that there's coaching and there's managing. There's two different. There's two different jobs. You can coach on a coaching pitch. Your managing might come in sitting over lunch with a player. 
to sign up to have a one-on-one. Get it to, to make that player feel special. Trust me, that is the that is the best. Justin Edinburgh, God rest his soul, was absolutely first class at that. First class. And Justin <coughs> would be the first to say to you, the coaching on the training pitch was often left to Ross Emwerton, and Justin used to come in on a Thursday and Friday. When I did it for five years here, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Dean Smith did it all. And I've done Thursday, Friday, come into it, because then the manager could come away and do the managing of the players, not the coaching. It's two different, it, trust me, it's two different things. Yeah, well, yeah, but, but potentially, we don't actually know. No, that would make me think older than a problem here as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's go on to the last two questions. We're going to, going to take a break for a drink, then we'll move on to the next part. someone and you think yeah, get better I, after 10 days I actually sat down with Carl and expressed my concerns uh, about what was happening and expressed to him how he can make things better uh, not to do as, as I did it but just give him some insight into what I feel the, the players needed the other staff members needed uh, and what we needed as a club and he, he, he listened and, and, and when I spoke to the players and coaches and, and that after they said he was okay for half a day and he just went back to himself. So I tried but obviously I know some of the players in the dressing room, I've got my own son in the dressing room, but you know, I don't talk to him about football at all when I'm at home, uh, but he told his mum after 10 days, dad has fucked up. <laughs> okay, right, last question before the break, this one here. Yeah, it's really good. Sadly, look, what's been done, my opinion, what's been done in the past that has been done? You know, massive and harsh, and hopefully, you know, you've learned from it. But, my opinion, I don't think you have with the next appointment. I mean, I hope I'm wrong, but I think, I think you're wrong. But if I think you're wrong, I'm happy. Yeah, so. Yeah, so why would he have joined us? 
the pension fund influenced by Barry. Um, I think the rent is reasonable. Um, and I think if we bought the ground, which we probably could, it would certainly put us back. We'd have even less money to put into players and other things. I personally think buying the ground will be wasted money. So I actually think the relationship we have right now is the right one. That's my answer. Danny may disagree. Right. Just slightly on the same topic, but, but in terms of the East Stand, is there a commercial <coughs> project, maybe with the landlord, or uh, something else in a sustainable way, which you can, you know, clearly these other bits of the ground have been developed, have been commercial successes over the fault. Could that be another commercial project to rebuild that stand, offices, or I don't know what the planning permission situation yeah. might be, but could that then be another revenue stream? Okay, so everyone hear that? Yeah, the answer is, yeah, we think the East Stand has an opportunity to be redeveloped in some way. So we totally agree with what you said. We see that as an opportunity. I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow. I think we need to, I mean, if I'm standing back from it, Martin mentioned it. How do we improve where the academy plays, is what Lewis talks about. How do we improve the training ground? How do we improve the East Stand, as you said? I think there's a number of projects there, and, and it could be that if we suddenly got this one-time gain from somewhere, that some of that will be taken into account. But then again, you could also argue that the East Stand could be given out to a developer to do something as you suggest. Good question. Um, in the Grimsby program, you mentioned that there uh, there's new investors coming into the club. A uh, few questions about that. Who are they? Um, what, if anything, do they bring to the club apart from money? Uh, what are their expectations? And does their uh, input give them any influence? Okay, great question. Does everyone hear that? Okay, so this week we got one guy who's already put some money in. Happens to be a good friend of mine. Um, he's never been here, but he sees every game because he's streaming. Uh, he'll be at Stevenage, uh, bringing his whole family, very excited. Um, he's got no desire to be on the board. He, to answer your question, he bought money and I think enthusiasm. Another group who are coming in the next few weeks are prior owners of two major league hockey teams. Nearly bought the Miami Dolphins as well, um, which eventually got sold for a billion and by the way it's my other love so the Miami Dolphins as you know is very important um, and he I think brings the expertise of having run major league franchises as they say call it in the states uh, is a marketing whiz um, so it could help us on the revenue side and then another guy has been trying to buy into US sports loves football, thinks he could contribute and I think even though he doesn't want to be on the board, he would contribute both with his finances and his expertise, particularly in social media, as he was an early person in one of the great uh, internet companies that exist today. Have they taken shares in the company? They. They effectively take shares in our investment vehicle, which is called Eagle. So they take shares in that, and then Eagle buys into Lake Norian. And by the way, if anyone here has got a million or two, um, if you want to join, no, this is what I'm talking about. I mean, if you want to be investors as well, we'd love to have some more British investors. And I get approached every week by groups who want to buy Lake Orient, want to buy into Lake Orient. A lot of people see this as a very attractive club. The first thing I warn everyone is we don't want any more assholes. <laughs> um, and we think we've made good progress in the two and a half years. And we want this club to be run properly, not the way it was run for the previous three years. So we're going to be very careful with the people who come in 
but I can assure you all the people I'm talking to directly are first class people. You don't look very happy, is there a concern? Well, yeah, I'm just wondering what, what they expect. What, uh, is it just philanthropic? Oh, okay, that, that's a good question. What do they expect? They expect to be involved in something, to have fun. Every American I've bought here has thought this is a spectacular experience. I bought a guy who's a major activist investor, if you know what that is, on Boxing Day. He and his two girls thought it was one, and his wife thought it was one of the greatest experiences of their lives. We lost. I gave him a tour of the ground. It's, it's better and bigger than everyone who comes from the States expects. They think because we're in League Two, we're some, let's say, not very exciting team. They were genuinely very impressed. Um, and to answer your question, people want to be involved in that. I mean, to get into Major League Soccer, to take a small share, you're talking about probably $15 million. And people say, I just don't want to spend that kind of money. Uh, one more question for Danny. Danny, uh, one way of raising revenue for next season would be to bring back the braces, kit. Mm -hmm. We'll soon, soon be releasing uh, next season's images, I say soon, a few, few months' time. Uh, watch your space. I don't even know what they are, so I don't know what that answer means, but anyway. Steve? Uh, Martin, if we get our uh, loanee tomorrow from Premier League Club, and that's the end of it for this week, how satisfied will you be with the overall uh, transfer window business? I'm quite a simple person, so I can't do it in a simple way. So I look at Lawrence Vigaru as we play Steve Brill. So for me, that's good. CSA as we play Dale Gorman. So I thought that's quite good. Danny Johnson as we play Shane Delarby. So I'm quite happy with that. <laughs> George Marsh has to come into the equation in terms that he signed again and he's one of four players that were brought in in the window and his flexibility in terms of, of, of versatility, one his flexibility, versatility in terms of playing centre midfield or, or right back which he's done over the last three games very well in my opinion. I'm happy with that. And the new player, he's not replacing anyone, he's just my last little, my last, he was, a, I was very happy with the four. Uh, the fifth one come about because my connection and also Ross's connection with certain people. Uh, so it was a bit like looking, looking at gift folks in the mouth, if I'm totally honest, the last one. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the window. Uh, Is there any outgoings, Martin? Well, you, you had the, the, the outgoings have been Gorman. Yeah, any more? No, no, no more outgoings. Uh, the only outgoings that will come out is like last year, the window shuts for a week on the 1st of Feb, which I can't wait for actually, if I'm totally honest. From the 1st of Feb to the 8th of Feb, the window shut, but the National League window is still open. We feel like we've got some young players like Shabani, which has come back from injury, that need to go out below us. Uh, there's a couple of other, Janaha needs to go out below us, but none, none of the senior players. Uh, we've got a very good squad now. Uh, I thought we played very, really, very well the other night, but I still feel that one of the departments that we need to get better on is uh, goal return. Uh, I think that Danny Johnson, the only one who's seen him play, uh, will hopefully do that because we need to get more than Josh Wright being up at floor on eight, on eight goals. Yeah, I took him from uh, Dundee United, I think. Yeah.
you might be right. I'm not going to argue for so long ago. I think I, I think I, no, I think I had black hair in them days. No, I think the last part I took from Scotland was Craig Clay. That's what I was, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, nothing other well. Yeah, but Craig Easton proved to be a very good signing. Yeah, and I actually made him my youth coach when I was a tall key. So, and I speak to him quite regularly, actually, Craig. So with Danny Johnson's signing, it's a real, it's a real Yeah, I mean, I mean, no one's really spoke about the background to that. We <coughs> we thought we had him 18 months ago. Uh, Justin even went and met him uh, on a service station. <laughs> and we, when Justin came back, he, he said, I think we've got him. And then I'd, I was dealing with the agent at that time. Justin was dealing with the player as, as we did, that's how we did it. Uh, and then the agent phoned me up and said he chose to go to Scotland uh, because we was in the National League. You know, if we'd have been League 2, I'm pretty sure, well, I'm 100% he would have come. It was the fact that we were National League and he could go into the Premier League in Scotland <coughs> that we lost out on him. So we've been after him for a while and he knows that as well. So let's hope our patience is paid off by him banging to go to him. Do you, do you think there will be any last ditch efforts to take a striker from us tomorrow? Any last no, I, 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 Strike, I, uh, I think that the only one that I mean, you never know. I always used to put the suit on on the on transfer deadline day just in case. So I went to Brighton from here on transfer deadline day. You never ever know what's around the corner. I said to Nigel, and I said Lindsay said Lindsay's my secretary or PA as I call her, upsets her. But she said late one tomorrow. I said, I don't think so. Last year we shut the lights off and went home at seven because we was finished and I expect tomorrow to be the same. Now, some days I get up. The reason I love this job so much is when I go on, I don't know what I'm, gonna, what I'm going into, what I can expect. I go to the training ground and people attack me from all angles. So I'm just hoping the phone don't ring tomorrow. And if I'm honest with you, we've got no intention to sell it. Unless someone offers, offers us absolutely silly money, there's, no, there's not a player in our squad that we would sell in the position that we're in, we might be different in, in the summer uh, if, if the right money come in. So we do know if we get two million, we know what to do with it, no? Yeah, put it in your private pension fund. <laughs> 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 um, Louis Dennis, we haven't heard anything about him the last sort of, you know, three, three or four months. What's going on there? Yeah, well, it, what, your guess is as good as mine. I mean, it's, there's a player, Unbelievable in Louis. Uh, he's been out for the last two weeks with a sore knee. Uh, he's when he was uh, left out a while back. Uh, he didn't take it in, in in the way we would expect a player to take it. So he's a little bit diversive. Uh, he's back on site now. He trained yesterday for the first time in the last three weeks. Uh, when I watched it, for I was out there at least six minutes yesterday because it was cold. I don't like going when it's cold. <laughs> I, was, I went out there and he banged a couple of goals in, and so did Johnson. And I come in and, and Ross read me, Oh, Johnson looked sharp. And I went, So did Louis Dennis. He went, Yes, he did. So again, like Danny just said there, just watch his space. I think there's, I don't think there's, I know there's a player in there. Portsmouth couldn't quite drag it out. Bond, last time he really showed that type of player was when he was at Bondley. So we're waiting. We will be patient and we will try at Dandis to find that button and that's down to sometimes the man management, I feel, what we talked about earlier. Will we see Joby this year? Well, I mean, I have a joke with Joby every single day uh, about just hang them up, you're done, you know, just a little banner that I can add to it. And uh, I thought I was going to be proven to be right, which I didn't want to be proven to be right because I didn't think he was going to come back. But he, over the last three weeks, there's a chink of light. He's done some running uh, on a non-weight bearing. You go somewhere where you can run without having the weight bearing on you. Don't ask me where they go or where they do it, but he's been doing that. And then he's on. He's back on the grass running, and he he's determined to play. Determined. He's 38 and a half now, but he's as fit as a flea. Uh, so I would say that he's open to play for the last six weeks of the season. So that's. That's the plan sitting here today. But I hope he does because he, he deserves to. Because what people don't really know is he played last year for the last two months injured with injections. So we're 
partly to blame to where he is now, if we're honest. Uh, but at the time, we wouldn't have done what we did to Joby to an 18 year old because their career, but with Joby was at the end, end of it and he wanted to have the injections. He should never play at Wembley, but he had injections to play there. So a lot of the problem he's got now is down to us. So that's why I want him to get back and just have that final flourish or have a really good six weeks and then come knocking at my door for, on Rossi's door for another contract or, or Nigel's door. Okay, time for two more questions and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. We talk a lot about um, clubs that ain't been run too well, Macclesfield, Bury, all that. Is there any clubs that are run well in a similar sort of size that you, I wouldn't say look up to, but are comparable to? Ex excellent question. I mean, I'll give my list quickly. Mm. These two may disagree. I think Colchester are pretty, run pretty well. Um, I think uh, I got the impression Exeter were run pretty steadily when I was down there. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll think. Yeah, it's kind of what There's not enough best practice sharing in the FL. Uh, something I've banged on in the, in the four years I've worked in four and a half years I've worked in football. Uh, nowhere near enough that it was in cricket. Uh, there's a couple of other clubs to add to that. Stephen Lynch will meet within the next week. Uh, and there's a few other clubs that we make sure we have a point when we go over to, to visit them, wherever it is. We go and you know, spend as much time with their equivalent so we can we can learn. It's an everyday school now. Just thinking like strength in numbers, with all your points there that you want to raise, if you've got a good band of you together, you, you get people on side, more of you. Power in the collective, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, right. Last question. Right. Last two here. Well done. Okay. You're really friends with Smith. I am. Is there any relationship between us and Villa next season with the under 23s? They want there to be. Me and Nigel winning. Met Dean at uh, Windsor Hotel when they were playing at Fulham. Also, I met Dean. I, mean, I, I talked to Dean at least three or four times a week. I'm totally honest. But I took Nigel over to meet Dean. They they have got they, they they've said they've got the same problems as anyone else. The twenty threes playing twenty threes football is not working. My problem with <coughs> Villa is I know I can guarantee that I get good players. And Dean will guarantee. The T that even though he ain't seen in twenty threes all the time, but I know that I would get good players from Dean. The problem is, is that you you've got to then house them, and if they're young, they're probably moving away from home for the first time. Uh, so the the risk of taking two players or four players, you can take four players from one club as long as they're all under twenty three. The problem with taking or, or going into the partnership with Dean and Villa, which they would like us to do, I've, I've been up there to meet them and, and all sorts, is that I've got more guarantees, I believe, with maybe London clubs who are begging or starting to beg us to, 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 to use us as the same vehicle. So, I've now obviously I speak to Dean a lot and I've, I've expressed that to him and just said that I think there's more more gamble with you on it. The thing is with Dean, if I get a problem and I want a player, I can just phone him up and get that said player. But obviously the window's got to be open. I think if we're going to go tie-up, when I'm in a tie-up, is, is, is you, certain clubs' players, is more likely to be atop the Arsenal, West Ham, because of location. But Dean wants to do it. But it's nice to push him aside for a change because I've taught him all he knows and I don't Okay, very last question, Charlie, and then we're going to call it a day. Could um, Dean Brill be our answer to an experience number two? Uh, my answer is potentially. Yeah. Dean Brill, for the seven months pre-Justin, was the best goalkeeper coach I've ever seen. If I'm honest with you, and his knowledge is superb. Uh, Justin took the wind out of my sails on two occasions while he was alive. One was 
I'm going to buy Dave Wills. And I said, have you seen the fucking size of him? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to buy Dave Wills. Uh, the, second time, the second time he really surprised me is that he wanted to sign Sam Lee. You know, everyone keeps on about that I had an influence on that, but that was totally just in from start to finish. I didn't get involved in none of the things. In fact, Nigel had to do a deal on a player because I, he did that and I'm acting in it. Right. Yeah, but, poor. but going back to Dean, Dean is now a coach. Quite where we fit him in at the moment, at, at next season, I do not know. Uh, all I know at the moment, at the training ground, the combination of Ross, Dean and Joby is something I'm really, really comfortable with, really pleased with. Joby ain't as much as a coach as he could be because he wants to play again. So Joby, but now we've worked it out, Joby comes and does his work, football work first now, comes in at eight o'clock to get his football work in and then he becomes a coach at 10 o'clock, which is you know, te- uh, detriment to, uh, to, I mean, accolade for Ch- uh, Joby. Uh, but the, the thing is with it, he, he, Dean, Dean has been in the best place in the last 15 years to become a coach, in my opinion. Strong massive strong character. But goalkeepers, he, you know, he does all the all the defensive side of the set plays. Joby does all the attacking. It, you know, it's starting to fit in how we wanted to. Whether he'll be a number two or he'll be the goalkeeping coach, I've not really made my mind up yet. All I know is I want Dean Grill around me. I don't want Dean Grill going anywhere. And the day that he put his gloves back on, I promised him that when he took his gloves off, there would be a coaching job for him at this football club because we're honest when we do that. And he put himself way above where he should have done. Really. So, yeah, it could be, it could be the answer, Charlie. No, I, like I know you like goalkeepers. <laughs> is Reese still the goalkeeping coach then at the moment? Or is Reese? No, Reese is still the goalkeeping coach, yeah? Yeah, Reese is still the goalkeepers. Okay, so I'm going to take one of your words there and finish up one of the things that we talk about this club. You know, we try and run it in a very honest, straightforward way. I think tonight we try to share some more information with you. Football finances need fixing. Hopefully we've demonstrated that to you. There's a lot of choices that the league has to make. As someone said, we need to do it together because a lot of clubs have different views on different things. All we know is that a few things have to be fixed. Um, As a fan, I feel we're making progress as a club. I know it's been a bit of a lumpy year, but I want to thank everyone here for your continued enthusiasm, your continued hard work of getting places like crew while I'm sitting on my backside watching it in Boston. Uh, But thank you for all you do, and thanks for coming tonight.